0: Never know two Masterclass And our Masterclass for today We are talking Speech And language therapy. This is part two. We're focusing today on adult challenges and many messages were coming through from all of you of things you struggle with. But before we kick off the podcast for part part one is available. Head over to 702.co.za or download the app. We're joined again by Karyana Vermeulen, speech and language therapist. Karyana, how are you doing? I'm good, Lebo, and how are you? I am good and very, but also very sad that we are not together in the same room. But we are together. I know, it was lovely to <laughs> join you in this video. <laughs> yes, so now I'm back in Joburg, and you are still in Cape Town. But let's let's jump into just a quick re- recap of what we 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 really covered um, last week. We were speaking, of course, the foundation phase. Of learning to speak and you shared with us the difference uh, between the language and the speech part of your work. That's right, yes. So just to quickly recap the difference between the speech part and the language part. So, when we talk about speech, it refers to how I produce
1: the sounds within words. Can I articulate all those sounds Mm. accurately? Mm. If we talk about language, it refers to the vocabulary that I use, how I construct my sentences, and also how I put my sentences together Mm.
0: to formulate a message. Mm. Okay. So, some of um, the, the, the listeners were obviously just trying to Assess whether certain things can be rectified or not. So let us assume we are talking about an an individual who has zero medical challenges. But they find themselves having a bray. And I don't even know what a bray is in, in English. What is a bray in English? We call it a bray as well. Oh, it is a bray. Okay. Yeah. It's just that I heard the term from my Afrikaans friends. And they would always be laughing about why is there an R in, in bray. 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 I guess it's not really an English term because it's not applicable in the English language. Eh? Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was an Afrikaans term. It, it is an Afrikaans term. That's right. Yes. Okay. So so let's talk then about things like the R. r so people that will say bray. And then mm-hmm. the lisp where the S cannot be pronounced, which then becomes a th sound. That's right. Yes. So what do you want to know about those? Is so many people were asking, are these things are these things that can be rectified is it is it something that you are just born with and that's it? Does it mean you have a problem in how you learned to speak?
1: Okay no. so we can definitely rectify them obviously the sh- the the younger you address these problems, the easier they are to fix. So last week we said for example the R sound be mastered from about five five and a half so I won't start working on correcting production of that sound before that age but then once we hit that age we really want to work on it as soon as possible because the longer you use an incorrect way of doing it the more established that pattern becomes so for example in an adult person We can rectify it. We work on the way and the manner of production, but it takes a lot more practice because now you've got 36 or 40 years of habit to change. Um, So we're really dependent on the patient to practice daily and frequently for us to really successfully then change
0: that habit. I'm just thinking, um, you know, at what point should a parent... Start recognizing that, ooh, there's a challenge here with, um, pronunciation of certain words. You know, you mentioned the R, and, and even with the R, um, not all languages require the R to be sounded rrr. That's right, yes. So we've got developmental norms for Afrikaans, and we've got different
1: developmental norms, for example, for English. Um, But a general guide for those sounds, both in English and in Afrikaans, would be about from the age of five and a half. For the S sound, it would be from about five and a half to six. Mm. So before that a child is really physiologically Not ready to produce those sounds Although some children can say them We still expect the development to happen And then often they do develop Correct production of those sounds later on Mm. But if by the age of five and a half, six They don't We definitely need to intervene Because then it's
0: very unlikely That they are still going to master it on their own So how do you teach a a, a child to out? grow or unlearn a lisp? So firstly, there are different
1: types of lisps. So the common one is where they put the the tongue between the front teeth, and it sounds like the TH, the sound. Yes. Um, So that's the most common one, but there are different types. So what we'll do is we'll first start with an assessment and look exactly what the child is doing and what is causing the incorrect production of the sound. Mm. And then based on that, we will establish a therapy plan. So first we will teach them how to place the tongue correctly, then with the placement of the tongue we will add the correct sound and then we will practice through play activities if it's a child mm. so first we're just practicing the correct sound for example just the sound then mm. we'll move on doing it in small little words at the beginning of a word at the end of the word and you just keep
0: on repeating those until it becomes more habitual all right let's take a quick break and we will pick up on this conversation we are taking your calls on audible One, AA30702. In the WhatsApp line 072 702 1702. 702 Masterclass 19 minutes after two o'clock, it is a masterclass on speech and language therapy with Gariana Firmielin, speech and language therapist. We take your calls 011 883 0702 in the WhatsApp line 072 702 1702. We had a very big focus in part one of this conversation on children today. We are looking at adult issues when it comes to speech and language therapy. Kariana, we spoke now about the lisp and the fact that there are different type of lisps. We've spoken about the R. Um, I'm just curious, um, when it comes to the different languages, how do you navigate that? I had um, Lira in studio with us sharing her journey after suffering a stroke um, and sharing how she received her speech therapy in English, meaning that the ability to speak in, you know, is or or Setswana or Sesoto is now not really there because she had to learn to mm-hmm. speak from scratch. Can you help us understand how that is the case? Because I think it is difficult for people to understand that concept.
1: Yeah, so this is exceptionally challenging in the multilingual country that we live. I think South Africans are one of the most resilient kind of nations that they are because we've got so many challenges that we need to deal with. Mm. Um, luckily for us, more and more Susiktu and causa speaking therapists are qualifying these days. So hopefully in the next few years. Things will look very differently. But at the moment, we are very limited in terms of resources, and we often left with having to conduct therapy in English, unfortunately, for a Susutu or a Kosa speaking patient, or Zulu, or whatever the language might be. In some instances, we do try and use an interpreter or a to- translator. But it's never as effective because they don't, unfortunately, have the therapeutic background. Mm. So they don't know, you know, they always add things that we don't want them to add and we can't monitor it because we don't understand the language. Mm. So in essence, then therapy is not as effective as when we do it firsthand in a patient. Um, What we typically see after a head injury, whether it be a motor accident or stroke, is that the first language is the least affected. Um, So often, let's say you are a Zulu-speaking person and English was your second language. Mm. After the stroke, Zulu Zulu will be difficult, but it will be more preserved than English. Mm. So it must have been so challenging for Lyra um, to to do therapy in her second language because it's much harder. Mm. What's interesting, what we often see is for example, I saw a lady a few years ago who was English speaking and after her stroke she only spoke tosa oh wow and You know, when we started to investigate the situation, we realized for the first six years of her life, she predominantly spoke Torza because she grew up on a farm and all her friends were Torza speaking. Mm. So the language that you are predominantly exposed to in the first six years of your life, that is really your first language. Whether you now work in a different language or are married to someone of a different language, the first six years of your life is really the determining factor.
0: How is what you've shared, um, how does that explain those medical phenomenons which are quite rare where a person, you know, has a traumatic head injury or something along those lines and they wake up suddenly speaking a completely different language they've never spoken in their lives? Yeah,
1: so that's typically a kind of this that we see. Where they they would speak their language But they speak it with a completely different accent So I had a stroke I'm Afrikaans speaking And all of a sudden I speak in Afrikaans or English As a British person mm. um, So it's, it's very rare doesn't happen very often But that will depend on the very
0: specific part of your brain That got injured mm. Which will mm. that But that's not abnormal It's not that a person is faking uh, faking it
1: No, definitely not. Um, There's definitely neurological cause for
0: that. Okay. And I mean, I I think the language one is a very, very big one because um, some individuals, like you say, with the various challenges being faced will be at a disadvantage having to learn to speak again in a language that's not their first language. But then I am wondering, um, you know, if let's say you're now relearning to speak in english but you can still understand what a person is saying how can you possibly relearn your other languages um is it um, let's say you don't have access to a speech or language therapist is it by the people around you speaking to you in said language consistently
1: Yes definitely so we know the brain has neuroplasticity so the brain is able to learn and adapt so you definitely need consistent input in a specific language and maybe structured tasks where you can start practicing it maybe start with something simple and spontaneous like a hello how are you in that language? Mm. Or my name is mm.
0: Um
1: And if the people can maybe help you. And the more you practice, the easier it should essentially become.
0: Mm. When it comes to, let, let's uh, use Afrikaans as an example. What are some of the, um, the sounds that become quite predominant in Afrikaans that um, you would use as those measures of development and milestones? So, um, are you talking about children now? Yes, so going back to children so that I can bring it back to the adults. So, let's say, um, you know, uh, Afrikaans, the R is not an R, it's a R. Mm,
1: mm.
0: So, yes, commonly children at a very early
1: age struggle with the K or the T sound. So, instead of cut, they will say tut, um or instead of duck, they will say gut. Um and that we really see at a very young age and that should start disappearing by the age of three and a half. Yes. Um, so that's one big one that children struggle with. The other one is the L sound, lifter where the tongue has to lift up So mm. they often struggle with that And that should be um, Or start developing correctly At the age of four, four and a half And then the R and the S in Afrikaans Are the other two big ones
0: Yes, yes And then when when we think about I think the H is, is, is Also very prominent in Afrikaans But also in our African languages Mm. Mm.
1: And that would go hand in hand with the K, which at a very early age, the K sound, that they struggle with, the H will go with that as well. But again, at the age of three and a half, they should have mastered the H sound.
0: Yes, yes. At um, so ju- a young age. When it comes to now, you know, I'm not sure how familiar you are, but obviously there's certain sounds um, in the African languages. Um, mm. I'm thinking... You know, my, my son can't say his own name yet because it's got kokehi. It's got three difficult kokehi, as long as well as my own name, relebuhile. Which are the ones that you know of that um, children as they grow up struggle with? And I'm, I'm making the reference again to children because if an adult is having to relearn to speak, they would possibly find challenges with those same sounds.
1: Mm. So all the Kosa clicks or the clicks in the African languages are exceptionally hard. Um, You need a lot of tongue coordination and tongue movement to produce the, the clicks really well. And um, those are just the ones that they generally struggle with in the African languages. And we see the same in adults. So if they, for example, had a stroke and the tongue stream and the tongue movement has been affected, the cause of clicks is really difficult for them. And once again, we are unfortunately at a disadvantage because not knowing all the clicks and how Mm. to produce them, it's really difficult then to help those patients.
0: What are you finding with sounds like, as in the C, um, uh, that you would use in zulu uh, trela, ask, mm-hmm. trela. that's C. Um, are you finding that that is also a difficult sound to make? you absolutely right, yes, because you need a lot, you need some jaw
1: movement, you need some tongue movement, and then the rapid movement to produce the click. So there's a lot of components in that sound which makes it really tricky.
0: How do you um, manage you know when when for example in setswana an o can be sounded differently um then um depending on what the word is mm. so o or you know it isn't like in english where O is O. it's quite consistent yes Yes. it's consistent so um in in african languages and of course i I appeal to all of you 702 family uh, bring in the sounds that you have questions about and and where you are in development especially also if you're multilingual so in situana you will find find the o is pronounced differently um Mm. does that speak to the ability of you know what you're saying the coordinating of the tongue and things like that or is it as simple as if you grew up learning the words it becomes second nature um so the relearning part is now no longer um it's almost like memorizing as opposed to learning to speak from scratch
1: yeah, so I would say in children, if you're exposed to the language, usually they pick up those differences instinctively. They don't, they never actually think about them like we do, because remember, children can't think about language that way. They don't have the metalinguistic skill. So they just hear it and that's what they do. Whereas with an adult, it's different. They know the difference, but they physically can't produce it. So what we'll do in therapy is we will um, analyze what they're doing, and then we will develop. We will categorize it. So, if you produce the O sound this way, we will create lists for practice. If you produce the O in a different way, we will create word lists for practice. And then systematically, from the one where it's produced in the easiest, simplest way, that is where we will start practicing. And then we'll advance, once they've mastered that, advance to the next one and the
0: next one. Karyana, we are going to take a break for the news. And when we come back, I'd like us to really talk about where does one start in learning to speak again and we take your calls and your WhatsApp messages 11 in the WhatsApp line Oh, seven two, 702 we'll also touch on stuttering and stammering, it's just after two thirty. pm masterclass. and in our masterclass today we're with kariana Vermeulen speech and language therapist, this is part 2, we take your calls 11 double one, double eight, three zero seven zero two in the WhatsApp line 727 702 to Kariana, I've got a few questions I want to jump on to. Um, one says, Good afternoon, Lebo. I still don't understand why people call this word, which I know as Khadebe, instead of Khadebe. There's no Kha in Kha, which is spelled R A D E B E, as in Lucas Khadebe. But they withdraw R A. And replace it with KGAY, St. Nazi Jenkins, listening from Ivory Park 1632. Now, my assumption, Kariana, is that that doesn't so spe- speak so much to speak and language therapy, more of us not knowing how certain mm-hmm. things are spelt and how they sound. For example, the Basuto people, the L is pronounced D, so it will look like Linewo, but it is Dineo.
1: Absolutely right.
0: So I think that people are not familiar with it. They haven't been
1: exposed to the correct way of saying it enough to know the difference. Um, or maybe they have been exposed, but they're not comfortable in pronouncing it the same way. It's like the TH sound in English. You know, if you have it in a certain position, sixth, um, meaning sixth position, mm. Even though I know how to pronounce it, it's really difficult for me because I'm not a native speaker. Mm. So, I just probably pronounce it incorrectly. And I think it's the same kind of thing that's happening there.
0: Okay, another one uh, says, my son is growing up in Venda and Zulu speaking households. Although he can understand the two different languages, he chose to speak only English. Would that put him... At a disadvantage should he lose his speech or would his understanding of the languages give him a decent chance of adapting or adopting to either language?
1: No, definitely. I think it gives him an advantage if he does understand it. Um, some children just take to a specific language and they choose to speak one specific language, which doesn't mean they don't understand the others. Um, but if he does understand it completely, obviously he's got the advantage if he's in a conversation where other people then speak vendor or Zulu and he will be able to still follow the conversation.
0: Mm, mm. Okay, and I think that is that is quite a good thing to share um you know uh, uh, for anyone who was not part of our first conversation Cariana, you were sharing that some people are naturally um, um inclined to pick up languages easily so this assumption that yes we know that children um you know, learn languages easier than we do. But the assumption that if a child is growing up in multilingual homes that they'll just know how to speak all four uh, naturally and easily is incorrect. Absolutely right, yes. Can you tell um, us maybe a little bit more about about the thing of, um, and this maybe might come to the part of the language center of the brain. Is it an interest thing or... Is it just like a gift or a talent? There are, I mean, look at our president. He, it seems he can speak every single one of yeah. our eleven <laughs> official languages.
1: Well, I think you can compare it to someone who can paint. I can't paint well, doesn't matter how, how, how um, hard I try. I don't know about you, yet I'm good at languages. Yes. So I was just not born with the notion or the ability to paint well, yet I was born with the ability to, to take to languages easily. We all have different strengths and
0: weaknesses, um, and that's just what makes us unique. When we look at um, being able to speak to read and to write where are those places sitting in your brain and when you start um, learning to speak let's assume from scratch or there is a challenge and you are working with someone at what point do you introduce the reading and at what point do you introduce the writing are we talking about adults now, Lebo? Yes, so adults that are relearning to speak again a, or, a, or a having language, some... Yes, yes. So at first,
1: if we think in terms of the lesion, so where did it go wrong? So in the majority of people, language is centered on the left side of the brain or in the left brain hemisphere. Interestingly enough, people that are left-handed, in many of them language is centered in the opposite side of the brain. So then in, on the right side of the brain. But for the majority of people, it's on the left side. So typically with a left-sided stroke or a left-sided head injury, you will see difficulties with language. If we have a lesion on the right side, we can have difficulty with speech though. Mm. Um, so your language more left, speech can be left or right side and then we will start with a comprehensive assessment to really look at where is the problem is it speech is it language if it is language what part of language has been affected so the brain is so delicate and you need very specific injuries sometimes they can't speak but they can still write or read. Mm. Other people can talk better, not great, but they can talk better, but they can't read and write. So our assessment will really determine where do we start in therapy. Obviously, spoken language is always the thing we will address first because that is what we use most often. And that's what we need from day to day to engage with our, our significant others reading and writing is always a nice extra if i want to return to work or if i want to be more functional in the home environment i must be able to read and write but we always start with spoken language first Unless spoken language is so affected or so severely impaired and written language is not bad, then we will use written language to aid the spoken language.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, more of your questions on 011-883-0702 and the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. As we wrap up our masterclass on speech and language therapy, this is part two. Part one has been podcast for you to catch up on where we focus on children. We're with Kariana Vermeulen, speech and language therapist. We take your calls on 11 883 and the WhatsApp line 72 We've got a question, then we go to a voice note. This one says, hi, I just want to ask... I'm 32 years of age and I'm stuttering and it breaks my confidence as I need to address a large number of people. Can I be helped at this age via speech therapy? Can my situation change at this age? If yes, how long will it take for me to be helped?
1: So there's always hope for stuttering and we can always work on stuttering. So don't be in despair. I think a good place will be to start with an assessment so that someone can really analyze the stuttering and determine what is causing, what is the reason for the stuttering, and then work out a treatment plan. So not knowing the listener that sent the message, you know, I don't know, is it a mild stuttering, is it a severe stuttering, because that will determine how long treatment will take. Obviously, also um, the patient's insight, their compliance in terms of recommendations, how much they work on it at home, use the recommendations that we give, um, that will determine how long therapy will take. Saturing is one of those impairments where our patients really benefit long term from social support from peers who also stutter. Um, So I think because it's not a problem that we can fix, it's Mm. going to be there lifelong. You need to learn to manage it better. And that's what we teach you in therapy.
0: Does increased exposure help or can it hinder? So for example, if now a person who's stuttering is placed in a position where they have to speak in front of a massive crowd last minute, can that help them to, you know, um, heal uh, or rather recover quicker um, versus waiting and making it very gradual and slow? No. So the moment you put pressure on
1: them, it makes it really difficult for them and their stuttering is more likely to increase. They There will be more frequent minutes or moments of stuttering if they are put under a lot of pressure.
0: Mm, mm, mm.
1: So it's really not
0: ideal Okay, here's another voice note. Hi Rela and seven lenders. Hey man, a quick one. I just wanna find out uh, you know lately I've been uh I've been having this thing. I don't know if it's a problem, but I wanna find out what it is. So it's it, it happens with by like when I'm speaking with someone and then like I will have the whole sentence in my head what I wanna say. But and then when I'm talking, I get to a certain word, then I keep on repeating that one word about like, maybe three or four times. And then I will have to like pause and close my mouth and then continue again. So like, is it is it, is it, is it a symptom of something or am I gonna lose the way I speak or? <laughs> uh, so just uh, please help yeah, there, please, please. Gadiana, that sounds like um, the stuttering or the stummering. Mm. So that does sound a bit like stuttering.
1: It would be very interesting to know is it something that started recently mm. or is it something that's been there long term. It's very unlikely for stuttering to have onset later in life. There's always an exception to the rule, but it's very unlikely. It could be that the the saturn was always there, but he was never in the situation where there was a lot of pressure. And now that maybe he's in a working environment and there's more pressure and stress, and maybe there's been some changes at home or things that are just upside down, um, which is making the saturn more pronounced. Um, if it's something that's got a more recent onset, then definitely it would have to be investigated to what is causing mm. the stuttering.
0: Thank you so much for that voice note. We've got Mzuake from Kakehong. Hi, Mzuake. Hi. You know, my wife speaks Setsuana, mm-hmm. but The dominant language we speak is English. Mm. And hence, even your kids would dominantly speak English. Mm. The first born speaks Sutu very well. The second born is non-responsive with SISUTU. Would it be helpful for us to, out of nowhere, just cut down on the amount of English we speak at home? Would that serve to help, or would it just frustrate the kids? Okay, okay, Okay. that's a good question, Kariana. That's a very good question, yes.
1: So, obviously... Some children take to different languages, like we said, others don't. What we usually recommend, if we see there's a child that's not taking to a language, we recommend that the parents go back to just speaking one language. Because like we said before children doesn't know this is a situ or vendor and this is English, they just hear words. And often they get confused and they may just rather keep quiet or their language use is really poor. And the first recommendation always is go back to one singular language and see if that makes a difference.
0: Oh, Karyana, more questions that are coming through. Um, But I thank you so, so much for your time. I think a quick one is, is it a symptom of something for you to start to forget words that you use often?
1: So that can happen. It happens to me as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be a symptom of something. It would be interesting. Did it co-occur with any other symptoms? Mm. Has this person been under a lot of pressure, little sleep, overworked, um, under a lot of stress? Because that could be a contributing factor as well. So again, one would need to
0: analyze the situation to see what is happening and what is causing that problem. Thank you so, so much, Kariana, for chatting to us. This conversation, part two, will also be podcast.